Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Neugebauer, coming to you live to air on this sunny, kind of cold day here in suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. In case you need to know, it is Friday, May 1st, 2020. That's right. April distance means May existence. It's also the Friday after the third Sunday of Easter, if you're counting, celebrating Christ's resurrection still. Uh, and I'm excited because uh, I've got a guest on the line for the first time in way too long. You may know her from Dildev's Diner on 1138. She is the world's biggest stand of twin sons, Dexter, Dexter, and <laughs> it's It's Dylan. How are you doing today, Dylan? I'm doing good. I, I appreciate that you listed those three in particular. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we've been interacting on Twitter a little bit and uh, you know, definitely appreciated your thoughts on Twin Sons and Dexter. And <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, we're also joined, as always, by R2-D2. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only help. That wasn't very beefy, but you know, I'll try one more thing here. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, Leia can be here too. I appreciate that. That's true. That's true. message. <laughs> Very important. This is, uh, in case anyone's wondering, this is from the Disney store. The toy I got. Anyway, um, so before we get into main topic, uh, it's a bit of a background. A few weeks ago, um, uh, after one of the Clone Wars episodes, we, you know, I knew Dylan, I know you're into Maul and Ahsoka and, uh, of course, with twin sons. And mm -hmm. so after one of those episodes, I, I had to ask, are you okay? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and I saw you, you, you did post a, uh, was an ROT 13 comment on today's episode. So uh, I, I asked, you know, you've seen today's Clone Wars episode. Are you okay? <laughs> I am there, there are, it's a jumble of emotions going on because there are parts that I laughed at very hard and that I'm still laughing at. And then there are parts that I remember they happen and I'm in pain. Yeah. So it's a jumble of emotions that I'm not entirely sure how to process them at the moment. <laughs> That's entirely fair. Uh, it was, it's quite an incredible episode, quite the incredible arc. Uh, oh, for sure. Again, to spoilers about that one because we're going to, we are getting into spoilers about the arc previously. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you've uh, you've often on uh, eleven thirty eight, especially, but also on Twitter, related Christian faith and experience to Star Wars, and mm -hmm. you yeah, and uh, your our recent article uh, on the Martez sisters arc was very well written, very. Uh, very self-explanatory i'd say but very clear thank you um the arc itself you know people kind of slept on it they said oh it's boring or, or the, at least the, the comments i heard were, were it, it's boring it doesn't do anything you know they end up it's back so in prison twice Pardon? it's so unfortunate it's so it unfortunate is. that that's the reaction because there was such good quality character stuff in there and some fun action too like quality fisticuff action in that sure. yeah yeah <laughs> but taking names um why do you think people slept on this arc uh well okay so 
some part of it is that, hey, it was very much a woman-driven arc. Mm. Like, it was Ahsoka, but it wasn't Ahsoka and Anakin and the clones. It was Ahsoka and these two uh, other sisters, and specifically uh, Latinx sisters. And I think so there is there is a degree of um, sexism and racism in any fandom, but yes, the Star Wars fandom, like that we're specifically talking about now. And I think there is an easiness to kind of dismiss uh, female characters, um, especially female characters of color, if they aren't if they don't fit specific um, desirable traits, uh, quote unquote desirable traits. Um, there's this one uh, blog that I follow uh, called called Stitches Media Mix. Um, and I can get a link to you uh, for that. Um, and so I just like to point out that I am white. So everything I'm talking about here um, in relation to when it comes to the experience of fans of color. Um, it's a lot. I, I am speaking back a lot of what I personally have learned, not what I personally have experienced. So if some, you know, someone comes along and says, mm, that's not our experience, listen to them, not me. Um, but one of the things that uh, Stitch would talk about um, on the blog is that there is this, uh, and they do a lot of excellent uh, data polling of like how frequently it happens um, and kind of the coded language that's used to talk about it of fandoms, especially white fandoms, not being as willing to put the effort into identifying with uh, characters of color, uh, that they're more so willing to latch on to a um, minimally developed uh, white character uh, to and easily more easily project upon that so that that character becomes more popular than you know th than maybe a lead character of colors in the Star Wars fandom specifically we see that uh, with uh, Finn and Hux for example that's one frequent example that keeps coming up uh, on the blog is that uh, Hux isn't that major of a character um, well he's he's a major character but he's not a main character but there will still be more content of, and celebration of Hux than there is of Finn. And Finn is one of the protagonists, one of the lead characters. And so I think parts of that response uh, tie into why people uh, dismiss the Martez arc. And sure, not sure, so, some arcs aren't for everybody. Um, some characters aren't for everybody, that's fine. But I think the wide, ex the, the the trend across fandom of ignoring the Martez arc or complaining about the Martez arc um, ties into that uh, that kind of uh, indifference or uh, just not wanting to put forth the effort to try to identify with these characters. Yeah, that's a great point, and I definitely appreciate you making it. I mean. Yeah, Finn is definitely a way better character than Hux. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, uh, makes makes the fact that people didn't didn't really appreciate this arc makes it even worse. <laughs> <And that's>, yeah. <laughs> it, it, 
ties into our main discussion because um, I do talk about about white American Christianity on mm -hmm. this podcast. I, I'm white skinned, but I'm not American. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I how dare you? Yeah. How dare you? More <laughs> And, and of course, the experience of Trace and Rafa in, in mm -hmm. light of this is, is central to to your article. Um, just questioning, you know, similar maybe the similar themes that you, you just went into. What was your experience watching this arc, both uh, both as a Star Wars fan and as a white American Christian? Um, well, as a Star Wars fan, I loved it. Uh, it was like specifically as a female Star Wars fan, it was great to have an arc that was very uh, female heavy. Um, that was that was female led and not just led by one uh, female character, but three of them. And that they had this rich dynamic of I, I know I mentioned on Twitter multiple times but the way that each of their traits bounced off of each other felt to me like you couldn't say that one's Spock that one's McCoy that one's Kirk but because because they aren't there's no exact parallel but the way they bounced off of each other and the way they tugged and pulled at each other felt very much like that triumphant uh triumvirate from Star Trek and the fact that it got to be three female characters doing that absolutely loved it um, and just in general it was like a different pacing than what we get to usually see in Star Wars and yeah we got to see Maul and that was nice too <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the uh, Christian perspective I think uh, you know listening to a couple of episodes of your podcast is that yeah I also relate a lot of the Jedi Order to my experience as a Christian. Um, and to be able to kind of see like, oh, okay, this is, this is how we tend to either welcome people in or how we tend to push people out. And I'm glad that you, you know, specified white American Christian culture because, you know, there, there are different communities of that and um and the place that i grew up in the church culture that i've grown up in is white uh, it's uh i live in a very white part of the united states um we have a now you know i didn't really notice it at the time but you know growing up i live in a uh i live in it's 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 a little segregated um not the you know it's not like people can't live here and people can't live there, but more economic disparities are keeping, you know, uh, people of color more so living in this one and, you know, uh, white people kind of living more in this area of the city and, you know, people going to this school or that school. And it's, it's tied into more systemic um, things. And so grow. And so it's not that, Oh, we don't allow people at, you know, this church. It's more so that due to the economic and the culture it's not a welcoming place um, or it's not an accessible place. And so, you know, grew up uh, also, you know, people, uh, pastors who are white. Um, and when I went to college, I went to college in a equally white town. Um, and so, wow, I've gotten off track <laughs> on that. 
Um, but coming, I guess, looping back around to the episode was the main thing, and this was talked about in the article, was uh, Rafa's main beef with the Jedi. Um, you know, when she describes how, you know, the Jedi, you know, uh, directed the ship away from the landing platform and into the wall, like she, she said, hey, it saved a bunch of people. And like, she's hurt over the death of her parents, but she also acknowledges that they saved people, that action saved people. Mm-hmm. Um, where Rafa's beef comes in um, is that the Jedi came back, specifically um, Luminara came back and only offered her, the force will be with you. Right. <laughs> like, like they, these are two kids. Um, like maybe Rafa's a little bit older than Ahsoka, but these are two kids that came back and it was just like, they're there, oh, the force will be with you. Right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and and for the and for that like that was almost instantly recognizable in that I've seen other Christians do it but I've also done it too like I know that if I look back at my past I have done this is that there is a problem before us and we'd much rather just say god bless you or god's got this don't worry or a- any like any of those platitudes which have meaning behind it like the force will be with you does have meaning behind it but if it's if that's all we give then how does that help the person who is you know needing a pair of parents for example or um or just you know um or need or needing food or needing shelter like how how and how does that reflect on what Jesus taught us for for caring for those people? And like also I quoted James in there specifically about, hey, faith by works, uh well it's not it's it's faith without works is dead. It's not salvation by works, but it's faith without works. Is it really faith? Like are you really in it if you aren't following up whatever you say with your mouth with an action behind it? And so that was how um, it really hit me with uh, with the Martez arc of oh this is this is how the church can be seen from an outside perspective. Yeah, and yeah, lots of great points there. Uh, you know, the arc definitely. I, I mean, from what I can see, passes the Bechdel test and the spirit of the Bechdel test. Um, mm-hmm. The yeah the especially the you know the, the the main thing I want to get into here you talk about may the force be with you and how remember you know, that that's what Kenobi's force spirit says to Luke to go and and well, destroy the Death Star which ended up in a good thing um, yeah you know and, and Ezra and Lothal and and all these other times we hear it but here it's this empty platitude. Um, mm-hmm. And you specifically went into Christianese. And it's yes. kind of funny because uh, you know, the thing I think about about this podcast is it's a place where we can just go nuts with jargon, not yeah. worry about it. You know? But mm-hmm. uh, that really does create this barrier to people who don't 
know it and I, I've studied theology. And so there, there is this academic shorthand that is helpful. And yet, uh, you know, is it useful jargon or is it reflective of a subculture out of touch? Um, I mean, I, I see you saying it could be both. It depends on the context. Yeah. It widely depends on the context, I feel, because like you said, there is use in like an academic perspective. Uh, like if you go to the article, you'll actually see that I got, got into, I wouldn't call it a tiff, but a disagreement with a pastor who commented actually on the piece. Which that is a great thing to get on. on mm -hmm. Like, thank you, Eric, for commenting. If you listen to this podcast, thank you. I appreciated it. But at the same time, writing a piece about Christianity and someone coming on saying, I'm a pastor. I'd like to talk about this. Oh, okay. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but uh, it got to a certain point where it's like, we aren't necessarily speaking the same language. We aren't using the same jargon. And I feel like our points were missing each other because we were using different definitions for the same terminology. Um, so in cases like this, like, it's great that we have jargon. It's great that we have that discussion. I mean, it's useful not just in theology, but in, you know, physics and library science. Like if you can discuss those things with fellow experts, yeah, great. But when you start talking with um, a lay person, it might just be Greek to them, literally mm. in the case of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the, you know, the way you put it, I have your, your quote here, you know, for Rafa, the line, may the force be with you, unlike before with, with, with Obi-Wan, with uh, Ezra, for Rafa, it isn't a promise, it's a command followed by abandonment. Mm -hmm. Words tend to instill hope instead of, instead inflict a wound, putting all the responsibility on the person in need. Uh, and then you, you go into how shifting that responsibility uh, seeks to fix a problem. And I especially appreciate this, you connected to Rachel Held Evans and her quote about fellow Christians wanting to fix her. Um, before I go into that quote, uh, I know who Rachel Held Evans was, sadly was. Yes. Um, why, from, in your words, why would you, you say she was important to the contemporary, especially the white American church? I think, uh, well, the thing is, is I got into her very, um, only shortly before she passed, which, um, which I wish I could speak more to, uh, you know, what, um, what she meant to those people, but I wasn't in that culture. But what I can tell, at least from my perspective, is that, in her, specifically in her books, uh, Inspired and Searching for Sunday, uh, is that she's unafraid to, or maybe she is afraid, but if she's afraid, she pushes through it, um, to be vulnerable, to be broken, to be unsure, and to be messy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there is a, a culture, at least in the churches that I've grown up in that we like to maybe give lip service to, oh, I'm such a sinner. Oh, I'm such a sinner. But we don't actually let ourselves be vulnerable with that. 
or with our doubts or or with our brokenness or with our shame and you know to this day i still i'm still not good at that um i still feel like i have to couch uh doubts with yeah i know god is there but you know sometimes it's hard to believe but i have to couch it with i know god's there instead of just being like i'm having a hard time believing god's here like i'm having a hard time with this um and i think for me what uh Rachel Held Evans discussed was she was just hey we can just say we're having a hard time with this and that's the starting point we can that that can be our starting point we don't have to couch our starting point with a platitude uh but uh we can just start with honesty and God can handle our honesty mm -hmm. um so I think that's something that I appreciate about that is God's not afraid of our questions God's not afraid of our doubts you know, he'll be there with us through them. So. And that, you know, God who, who creator of heaven and earth isn't mm -hmm. interested in trying to just fix us. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the incarnation is all about getting into our mess. Jesus would have been born. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, the Jesus of star Wars is born on Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you know, I'm going with my, my, resonance from before but uh mm -hmm. would it would have appreciated level 1313 more than the surface maybe um you know there's mm -hmm. definitely this interesting that interesting dynamic there um i mean both have their messes yeah but yep um, what we see you know what we see all with the with the martez sisters is they're able to be honest about their mess right like Rafa, yep. pretend, pretends she knows what she's doing with this whole business. She clearly doesn't really. I mean, she. I love it. her for it. <laughs> yeah, she. Well, she's uh, she's in over her head. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Trace is definitely. Does she actually know how to pilot a ship? Because of course, Ahsoka. Um, yep. The I mean, and speaking of Ahsoka, then this brings us back to the quote you you. Uh, included from Rachel Held Evans about the way other Christians relate or responded to her uh, her willingness to be honest and vulnerable. Uh, the quote here, you know, it became increasingly clear that my fellow Christians didn't want to listen to me or grieve with me or walk down this frightening road with me. They wanted to fix me. They wanted to wind me up like an old-fashioned toy and send me back to the fold with a painted smile on my face tiny symbols in my hands and uh, when i just read that i realized oh that's exactly what the the jedi council wanted to do with ahsoka in, after oh. the trial right i, I just dang um here that was your trial you can be in it <laughs> you know? um, i i admittedly like mace but there are a few times that i'm just like oh man please don't do that and yeah. that was one of them <laughs> it's like oh mace well, don't. <laughs> It's funny because you you mentioned Nace later on in his age of mm -hmm. story that's uh, said a lot before a lot uh, further back. Yep. Um, and even in his uh, that Mace Windu Jedi of the Republic, which is set just at the beginning of the Clone Wars, that comic, he he's clear. We're, we're well, even in Attack of the Clones, he says we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Mm -hmm. And imagine how 
the the in the Age of Republic uh, comic, the Jedi deplore kidnapping children and using them in a war, mm-hmm. and yet during the Clone Wars itself, there are Padawans and younger clones on the front lines, as you go into in the article, and then of course uh, by season seven with the Bad Batch arc, we have the Poltex. and. Mm-hmm. Um, your quote here, you know, a Jedi arriving on a planet is no longer about helping people because before, as you connected well, that um, earlier in the series, the, the main focus of the arc would be about connecting people, uh, but now, it, or, or helping them, and uh, especially that season one arc that, again, I think other people sleep on about those fur creatures who walk sideways, I forget their names. <laughs> Oh, the uh, l- l- they're lemurs, but Lerman, yeah, l- Lerman, Lerman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and at this point now, it's about fixing a part of the Republic that had fallen out of line. Mm-hmm. Now you, you make an interesting connection that I didn't hadn't thought of, in that uh, you can't get the false perception that white Christians are victims of discrimination mm-hmm. with the war on Christmas. Yeah. Um, can you help me see where where that connection is? Like, how is and I, I I mean I can see it a little bit, but how is um, the the war on Christmas and or claiming that there's a war on Christmas mm-hmm. a way of fixing American society? Um, well, it's not so much tied into. Like in one case, yes, it's it's very much trying to fix quote unquote American society or at least keep it in the status quo. Um, but the connection of white uh, the white church uh, claiming that it's oppressed um, is more so in line with the fact that well, what the Clone Wars did was it it distracted the Jedi from the from what they actually should be doing. Like with the Poltex, uh, like, you know, it back with the Lerman, with the Lerman, if we go back to the Lerman, they would have been there to, um, the point of that wasn't to bring the Lerman in back into the Republic. The point was just to save the Lerman because the separatists are going to kill them. Um, with the Poltex, like they still help the Poltex, but their, the point of being on the planet isn't about helping the Poltex anymore. The point of being on the planet is to win a Republic victory. And, and that's because this war, this war that was manufactured by Sidious, um, by Palpatine um, to gain power, drew the Jedi away from their, their intended purpose of, of helping people, helping individuals um, on, you know, their planets or um, with, in their messes. And that's what we see with uh, Luminara in, and Rafa is that Luminara doesn't have time to sit and um, commiserate and, um, and be there and be there in the mess with Rafa and Trace because she's got a war to get back to, but a war that's been manufactured by someone else in order to gain power. And so that's where kind of the war on Christianity or on Christmas or the, you know, the oppressed white church ties in is that we get so wrapped up in different 
uh, activism bits, but like not activism that is going to help somebody. Like we get wrapped up in like, you know, let us say Merry Christmas again. No one's taking away Merry Christmas from us. No one is doing that. Um, but we get so wrapped up in like putting all our energy and effort into, I want to say Merry Christmas that we don't really have any energy left to give to, well, okay, but what what is, let's, you know, keeping with the Christmas thing is, okay, well, what about the people who maybe don't have a place to sleep at Christmas or have, you know, food to eat at Christmas? And I don't want to say that no one in the church is helping those people out because there are people helping them out. Um, but it's kind of more going back to when I mentioned with uh, Stitch's uh, Media Mix blog is it's about the broader trend of, hey, this happens a lot in which, you know, I'll see people get riled up about, you know, ab about Christmas or about uh, gay marriage. And I just, I think that, you know, the LGBT community has a place in the church. I am queer. Um, I don't think that they need to change or be celibate in order to worship God fully. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a sin. Um, but you will get wrapped up in this, but then we won't have time or energy to go around and say anything about, hey, systemic racism. <laughs> or, um, or, you know, we have to tack on, well, we can, well, we'll support the LGBT community, but only if they get fixed first. Like only if we fix them back into our system. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of, does that make sense of how the war on Christmas ties in? It's not so much as a, it's not so much the fix as mm -hmm. it's the distraction that has us looking for a quick fix instead of living in uh, the mess with someone. Yeah, that definitely helps connect it. I mean, it's where you go with the, the electoral politics, right? The yeah. issue of voters who, this is a quote from your article, single issue voter to protect the quote unquote most vulnerable. And that's the, the coded language for, uh, for the pro-life and unborn. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, where, regardless of where someone might stand on abortion, you know, you can see stunningly this guy in the white house, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the of life. um, not that Canada's all that much better in some ways, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they, there's this, a great disconnect between even uh oh not Jerry Falwell the other guy Billy Graham Franklin Graham yeah saying how many years under Clinton saying well yeah personal morality that really matters in a president to eh personal morality doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah and, and yet it's not just as personal morality right it's um you know targeting actual the the quote you word you use is targeting actual vulnerable communities to increase their own mm -hmm. power i mean especially bringing up again the martez sisters the treatment of hispanics and, and latinx people um, yep that's that's the glaring one yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah you do bring back to what you bring up uh mace windu's story mm -hmm. The thing is, there, there's a lot of pretending going on, revisionist history there, uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, maybe go back to your actual article here. Um, 
you know, the, the privileged ignorance and, and ignoring that and, and pretending that it hasn't been there for centuries. Um, right. And you go into why we pretend a little bit and that you know, we pretend or try to pretend. And it, it's true you know, here in Canada, especially when we come to, especially with indi the indigenous population. Mm, yeah. You know, that's a big one. And uh, I don't want to wave my Anglican flag, but I do think we have done a good job of actually remembering. But still in our policies, we forget <laughs> and we yeah. let them have these squalid conditions. Mm -hmm. We pretend, and this, this is your quote, pretending is easier than walking the long hard road with the people who are hurting and grieving it's a quick fix of saying the lord be with you and with your spirit and washing our hands of any further commitment and and that's where you bring in the quote from james to you know if your brother or sister is poor, poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them go in peace be warm and filled right that, that's the platitude there Go in peace. Yeah. <laughs> giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. Um, should I see if there's a question in that? I mean, more of a comment. I mean, my, my theology brain is going into, you know, the successors to the Reformation made too much of uh, both an individual, individualized morality, but also, uh, you know, they, they didn't, well, I mean, Luther famously really downgraded, you know, Luther, you know, a lot, of, he, a lot to give, give him credit for, but he, he famously downgraded uh, James, especially for this discussion of faith and works, because, I mean, in, in that context, it was had to do with merit and sacraments and there i go with more christianese right but yeah. <laughs> um, i mean have here's the question you know, have we made too much of the distinction then of you know we can't well because i mean it's interesting you even uh started need, felt the need to clarify and i appreciate they did feel the need to clarify it's not works righteousness mm -hmm. but it's still we still need to have faith embodiment Oh, I like I like yeah. that faith embodiment. That's a good phrase. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a question in that, but I mean, even in, in the uh, in the the church community you're in now, I mean, yep. how do they relate? Um, and one of the things I think about is you know, I care about doctrine and tradition and mm -hmm. social and and. Yep. You know, caring for society and seeking the welfare of the city. Mm -hmm. How does your your current Christian community um, seek to relate the two? What is, does it struggle with? Uh, you know, talking about salvation through Jesus Christ or, or however, however it understands that and uh, acting on behalf of our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, the current church I attend, like, um, I think I mentioned in the, um, uh, the article is, it's not perfect. I do butt heads with folks on some things. Um, you know, it's, it is a diverse body and we do have diverse leadership, but it, again, we are in 
a white area. And so I wish there would be more that we would tackle in terms of racism. They do have a statement about, you know, heterosexual marriage is the only honoring marriage to God. Um, and so, you know, I butt heads on those things, but in terms of uh, faith embodiment of, of works, um, they, they're in it for the long haul with people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they are, there's a lot of um, recovering addicts in our church. Like we are a church that has a huge, um, I guess I'm going to go Christianese myself, ministry <laughs> mm. um, to, uh, you know, folks who've been addicted. And a lot of our leadership actually has come out of uh, lives of addiction. And so anyone who looks at, um, uh, you know, addiction recovery, it's rarely a straight line. <laughs> um, I know that, like, I personally can't attest to it. Um, I have not... Um, well, I've not been a substance addict. I'm sure someone could argue that I've been an addict of other things, but. But they are in it for the long haul. Like they don't, um, they will be with people through the cycles of victories, the cycles of relapses, um, they set boundaries, like they will set important boundaries, so they won't, they're, they're not just a doormat, mm -hmm. um, uh, but they will make sure that they are there, that they are walking through with these people um, to reach, you know, to, to recover from addiction, and they're there with the relapses, they're there with, um, uh, with, with every, you know, you know, sober X number of days. Um, and so we end up seeing a lot of folks coming in from that because our church is willing to walk with them through that. And that is something that I appreciate. They're willing to, um, they're not just going, they're not just saying, go get clean and come back mm -hmm. or, you know, oh God, help you with your addiction. Nope. They are there and they're like, they're in the mud with you. And I, I'm I'm really proud to say that that's the church that I attend. I'm proud to say that. And they're willing to be known. As yep. A place for it. yeah. Yep. That can't be easy to necessarily. No, it's I I don't see it as much, but there is we they do get pushback for that. <laughs> um, our leadership does. Um, but yeah. And you also mentioned uh, the Poor People's Campaign. Yes. Can you say more of that too? Um, yeah, so there, it's a very, like there's, there are multiple faith leaders in that. Um, uh, the ones that I am most familiar with this, and I'm a little frustrated by this because I'm not very familiar with the women leaders in it, and I wish I was, um, but uh, they are, they are very much dedicated to uh, what is called a moral revival in America, in that it's not just about uh, like, oh, everyone should have individual morals, but like our culture across the whole, um, you know, people are dying from poverty um, every day. People are being, um, you know, targeted with, with racism. There's um, with, you know, with homophobia. Um, with sexism, uh, with like, you know, classism, even in America. 
and it's a pretty amazing um, story to kind of watch unfold if you look back at their history, but also like nowadays of how quick they are to, especially um, William, I'm going to mispronounce this because I'm always bad at this because it's a long name, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, William uh, J. Barber II and Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, I will consistently see them like the moment like any leadership of the United States will say like, oh, the Bible claims this and God claims that and it's something that attacks a marginalized community. Like they are in an interview <laughs> the next day saying, okay, well actually this is what the Bible has to say about how Jesus treated the poor, how, you know, God cares for the poor. Like if we look through the Bible, like the, these are the commandments that are given to us um, to assist the foreigner, the oppressed, um, the widows, uh, those in poverty. Um, and Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove has actually done a really good job of, um, there's a book called Reconstructing the Gospel. Um, and it does a fabulous job of looking back at the church in America to say, hey, we're still kind of carrying stuff from when the slaveholders used the Bible to justify slavery. Like we're still carrying some of that today <laughs> in the church and we kind of need to fix it, um, you know, so that we can be, you know, and, and, it's and it's going to be a long, hard journey. It's not going to be an easy fight. Mm -hmm. um, going back to the, you know, we've got to be in the, in the thick of it. And then the other book I would recommend is The Third Reconstruction uh, by uh, Reverend Dr. William J. Barber II, um, which he starts going into the detail of how that moral movement started growing. And it grew because um, he, both as a pastor and as a leader of his local NAACP, was within the community and like went through the community's um, troubles like he documents like union fights for union workers fights for um you know proper education um both and the fights the victories and the the um the defeats and but the point is is that they were there and when they were they stuck themselves in the mess that other people were living in and pursued Jesus in that God showed up in miraculous ways um and I think that's something I didn't touch on May the on the um on the article of may the force be with you and with your spirit is that when when we do decide to go and get stuck in the mess with other people like not get stuck but walk through the mess with other people is god shows up and, yeah and yeah <laughs> yeah and so does that cover the your question about yeah poor people's well, campaign okay uh, yeah well, it's just uh, <laughs> It's great to hear that. I mean, you know, we, we get the news, and you know, in Canada, we kind of have this, oh, those Americans in the Republic and all that stuff. <laughs> I, and I, we're saying that here too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you you end this article actually on, on a note of hope, and a reminder. You said, now that I've thrown my entire religion under the bus, I don't think you really did that. Um, Thank you. You know that wonderful quote from uh, or the wonderful thing that Rafa says to Ahsoka at the end you might not think of yourself as a Jedi but you act like one at least how I want them to be I mean 
we're we're committed to uh, to this this faith, this church, mm-hmm. this God who who still is present in our mess of a church, right? Yeah. Um, you know that. You know, there there is a, a note for hope there. I I do think there's also this place for the prophetic voice, and by that I do mean um, calling church to account calling society to account mm-hmm. and so yeah we, we we do need both and there, there's you know ecclesiastes there's a time for for everything and i think especially one of the wild silver linings of the trump presidency one of the weird silver linings of this quarantine is a time to stop and think and realize how did we get to where we are how do mm-hmm. we get into this um i do want to shift a little bit for the last bit um and i mentioned the prophetic voice and you mentioned uh sexual identities and um Mm -hmm. and i I don't want to preface the question too much but okay (laughs) one of the things i I said i don't want to um guide your answer at all but uh, (laughs) one of the things i appreciated most about your presence on Twitter is being open and honest about uh, the Arrow Ace and mm-hmm. how that. Oh. Uh, there should we should we def- define what Arrow Ace is? Because I think that might be yeah, please do non Christianese. <laughs> yeah, especially appreciate you doing that. So go yeah. ahead. Okay, um, yeah, uh, Arrow Ace is shorthand for aromantic and asexual. Um, it's an orientation in which uh, I do not feel. Um, sexual attraction to anyone. So like, you know, if someone is gay, they will feel sexual attraction to the same gender. Um, If someone is straight, they will feel sexual attraction to the opposite gender, bi, two or more genders, et cetera, et cetera. Queer theory gets deep fast. Um, uh, And then you also, you know, getting a little bit into that queer theory is there is the separation between uh, sexual attraction and romantic attraction. I don't want to get too deep into that because I am also a sex repulsed asexual meaning i just don't want to touch it um but like with i also don't experience romantic attraction i don't have a desire to be uh well even that's i'm i don't feel attraction to someone i don't look at someone and say i want to marry them except for maybe dexter jetster but that's a different topic entirely um (laughs) yeah Oh, oh, great. That's a nugget for your followers who don't follow me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I'll link your, your Twitter account in the description. <laughs> <laughs> link, link all the Dexter Jetster crushing posts. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, so like with that, when we say arrow ace, it's a shorthand for I don't feel attraction to people. I don't feel, I don't look at someone and my heart goes, ooh, I like that in a romantic or sexual way. I might feel it strongly in a platonic way. Um, like, and sometimes platonic things, platonic squishes instead of crushes can get just as embarrassingly intense as a romantic crush. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the short of it or the long of it. I'm not sure, depending on your point of view. Um, <laughs> what I appreciate the most is uh, the positive content of that. Of and when you go into Twitter, I think it was just recently tweeted about um, 
you are drawn to uh, to community and to to love and friendship, mm -hmm. um, and how that you know that approach that affects your approach, your orientation affects your approach to both real world community and to fictional characters. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've gone into in previous episodes, and I think you, uh, I didn't ask you to do this, but you did anyway. You went ahead and listened to it. Yep. Uh, about the tradition of, of celibacy. And I, I do, as far as I can understand, the celibacy is different than an airways orientation, an external vocation. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, you, uh, yeah. Um, so, like, the question is, you know, how does your orientation uh, affect the way you view the Jedi tradition of celibacy, uh, their, their approach to attachments. Is it mm -hmm. similar to what a lot of people say, or is it is it is there a certain wrinkle there? I think, well, I, I would say that I, you know, referring to your um, uh, episode on celibacy, is that uh, it's like one quote now now i'm going to be quoting you um <laughs> is um is like a few things that you mentioned were um like a lot of times there is this assumption in culture that the deepest expression of myself this is your quote the deepest expression of myself is a sexual being yeah. and um that that that's the idea that the culture tends to hold in their head. And you, you, um, you kind of went and tried to, not, not went and tried to, you went and you brought up contradictions and um, other examples of like, no, people do have healthy, fulfilling lives without it. Um, and it's not necessarily the only thing that makes us human. It's not the only thing that expresses uh, the deepness of who we are. It's not the only thing that expresses um, the creation of God, even. Because uh, like, a lot of times I will see in the church, um, uh, you know, yeah. don't have sex, but with marriage, it's good. Like, so, um, so like there is that, um, that, that sort of, uh, like there's a difference between celebration of this because it is important to some people but there is also i think an idolatry actually that comes with um with uh sexual sex mm -hmm. um is that like this is uh the ultimate expression of us as a human if you're coming from a secular perspective or this is the ultimate expression of you know uh, God, because it's marriage and it's man and woman and it's it's that, um, and so and so I appreciate that. Like you said, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not because also community, mm -hmm. like you know, being in a in community with each other on a platonic on a fam familial level also has the capability of expressing that. Um, and so for for me, I. I agree that the Jedi demanding, not demanding, the Jedi code involving celibacy is not in and of itself bad. Mm -hmm. 
Like, like, cause you mentioned they still have community there. They still have a family there. Um, and I know for me, at least interpret, because I, I will gladly grab any character and say, nope, they're Arrow Ace now, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's Arrow Ace. It's, he had a very strong platonic squish on Satine. He's Arrow Ace. Um, <laughs> um, Agree to disagree there, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but even, uh, so like for someone who's, who's Arrow Ace, like keeping that sort of vow is going to be easier. Yeah. Um, but even if we interpret Obi-Wan Kenobi as, um, as you know, attracted to Satine, um, in a non-platonic way, in a romantic, in a sexual way, then there is still, I think, value in celibacy because it becomes a choice both on his part and on Satine's part to honor something bigger than themselves. Mm. Um, And so I think that is important. And I think that that's something that is, um, I don't think the Jedi celibus thing celibacy thing is wrong or what causes their downfall. I do think, however, there is issues with it only being celibate. (laughs) Um, Like, for example, uh, having, um, like, the different denominations of Christianity. Uh, Some folks uh, who are in leadership can marry, Mm -hmm. and some folks cannot. Um, some folks have to take a vow of celibacy. And I think that if we saw a situation where every church ever, regardless of denomination, had, like their, their leadership had to be celibate, I think we would lose a lot. Mm-hmm. I think we would lose a lot of understanding um, of God. I think we would lose a lot of understanding of each other. Um, and I... And so with that, I think the issue that we have with the Jedi and celibacy is that there's not another denomination. Mm. <laughs> not not Grey Jedi. No, I am with you on the Grey Jedi. Grey Jedi are... <laughs> we don't want Grey Jedi. Um, but more so... Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but more so if you had, say... Uh, you know, Jedi Lutherans and <laughs> Je- Je- Jedi Charismatics. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're still Jedi, but, you know, it may, and those were the two wrong, I don't know denominations, but <laughs> those were probably two wrong ones to say. One's celibate and one's not. Um, but, so I think, like, that's kind of where it's at, uh, for my opinion on the Jedi, because also saying that the only way to rightfully as much as i'm arrow ace and as much as i like to push back against the um marriage is the you know one true expression of of you know of who god is um that it's still i still can't say being single is the one true expression of who god is um you know, Paul kind of touches on that a bit of saying, I wish everybody was single as to, as, as I was. Um, but, you know, those who can't control themselves, yeah, get hitched. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's the way to go either. That only being single, um, only being celibate is, is the right way either. Um, 
because it's God made us different and God made us able to connect with people in different ways. Like even just myself, I connect with my brothers differently than I'll connect with my best friends. And it's, it's still good connections. Um, and I'm not turning my back on one. I'm not turning my back on my brothers. If I go and make deep friendships with, um, with, you know, my friends in short. Um, and I think also I, and granted this is, and so that kind of ties back into, for me, kind of where you went with, um, uh, Quinlan and uh, Ventress yeah. uh, was I don't necessarily think that that was um, necessarily a betrayal of or it should not have been a betrayal of the Jedi like I like may because I don't I feel like there should have been different denominations hmm. um, there's also the concern that I run into with saying, oh, celibacy is good, is because then it gets fostered, it gets um, foisted, pushed onto um, other folks of the LGBT community who do desire relationships. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want my, um, my orientation wielded as a cudgel to say, well, look, Abby over there, you know, she's, she's, um, she, she, she's queer, she's single, you get, you can do it too, or it's like, well, no, I'm queer for a different reason than they are and I have and God gave me different desires than they do so like that's kind of my take on Jedi celibacy is that it's not a bad thing but there needs to be more denominations <laughs> the uniform position of it yeah and interestingly enough so even uh Roman Catholics for well for the last you know last 70 years ish no 65 years they've had deacons who can be married and that, the more, most recent thing is even they realizing, can we have uh, very select, very slowly moving this towards saying in, uh, especially in the Amazon where very remote areas, can we have married priests? Um, mm -hmm. So even they're starting to say, okay, slowly move towards it. Yeah, it, it's uh, when it gets all or nothing. And you mentioned, um, the, the fullness of what it means to be human and the the full sense of what it means to be created by God. And what you're getting at, I think, is you know, who are we worshiping? You mentioned the, the word yeah. idolatry. That's the, the prophetic role, really, is to name idols. <laughs> and Oh, I had not thought of it like that. Nice. In the, in, uh, in the prophetic literature in scripture, that's okay. the primary thing they're doing is to say, uh, you're, you're 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 taking this thing that is good that God made and you're making it the all or nothing. So, um, all that to say, I, I yeah, I appreciate you just going into that and, and discussing that. I know that was a a bit more personal, sensitive thing. So I appreciate you opening up about that. Um, well, if you have any uh, any further thoughts, get on Martez or on Jedi celibacy. I don't think so at, at this point. Um, I do want to say I do, I've learned a lot, like both in just the few episodes of the podcast I've listened to, but also just in this conversation with you, because I, I am very much a lay person in the church. Um, 
I have enough arrogance to start talking and open my mouth to try to say things that I think are important. Um, but also, uh, it was really, um, it was really helpful to kind of hear, you know, some of uh, your background and like, I have never attended an, uh, Angelican. Wow. I mispronounced that entirely. Um, you're denominated. Thank you. Thank you. But but to kind of hear like, oh, that's because I grew up charismatic. Mm -hmm. Um uh but not the charismatic that just kind of, oh, we're gonna speak in tongues whenever, but like, okay, no, like there is like if we look at the Bible, there's structure to things. Yeah. Um but at the same time, so your perspective on the prophetic is different than what I grew up with, but I, or even what I've learned in like being a part of an evangelical mm -hmm. uh, group in college is I, so that is a new perspective for me. And I really appreciate that. And I feel like I've learned a lot um, yeah. having this dialogue, so. Yeah, appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I spent some time in charismatic world too. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the future oriented prophetic predictive Mm -hmm. I kind of, unless it's Claudia Gray doing it, that kind of <laughs> gets me. I really, I need to, I realize I need to actually read that book as well. Anyway. I actually had, I actually had a quote like ready, like that oh. was gonna, that was gonna bring up in our discussion, but I it never got to fit it in. I was just going to bring up the, um, his conversation with, uh, Qui-Gon's conversation with, uh, Rael of, I'm coming to believe we must all interpret the code, the Jedi code for ourselves, or it ceases to be a living pact and becomes nothing but a prison cell. So I was, I had, I had master and apprentice kind of well, there lurking there too. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm definitely going to do, I mean, that, that does fit with what we were talking about. Um, and I'm definitely going to do more, like revisit master and apprentice. It came out in a bad time uh, for me, just because I was moving and different things happening. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely the type of thing I should go into, and you know, I'll I won't get you to commit on the air right now, but you know, if you <laughs> want to come back and talk about Stern Apprentice, you're more than welcome. <laughs> thank you. I'm I'm not. I thank you for also not asking me to commit on air because I have no idea what the next few months of my life are going to look like because right. <laughs> of this quarantine. What's going on? Right. Anyways, in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on Twitter, online, etc.? Uh, they can find me on uh, Twitter. They can find me as a Dylan Dev. So uh, Dylan is spelled D-I-L-L-O-N. Uh, so that's my handle on Twitter. I am on, as you mentioned before, 1138. So that's 11-38.com. Uh, numbers spelled out. So it's E-L-E-V-E-N, et cetera. And uh, my column there is called Dildev's Diner um, because I love Dexter Jetster. <laughs> and I would just recommend 1138 in general. There's a lot of good insights on there from everyone on staff and all the, um, all the guest writers. Um, and then I also have my own blog in which Twin Sons has been mentioned a few times. If you really want to hear me go on and on about Twin Sons, I, you can go to Dylan Development, dylandevelopment.wordpress.com. And I'll definitely link everything in the, in the notes uh, just below. You can uh, find me on Twitter at NUG485. 
I'm on Instagram at mneug1138. This has been episode 57 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. May the Force be with you always. <laughs>